Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew, and I'm here today with the champ of 2020 Draft Champions Leagues, Rob DiPietro. I hope I said that right. You did. You said it perfect. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Thank. Thank a lot for nailing that. Um. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Joe. This is a good time to sit down and talk to you and and get into some fantasy baseball talk. Yeah, man. It's good to have you. Uh, just tell everybody real quick your your Twitter handle or whatever you want to give out and uh, a little bit about the podcast you do, which I've been enjoying. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Um, you could find me on Twitter at Deadpool Hitter and the podcast has a separate page. It's at Pull Hitter Pod and it's the Pull Hitter Podcast. You can find it on pretty much any platform that you listen to podcasts on. Yeah, I just got started up um, in the right before last season started so june-ish um started off with some you know basic podcasting and then you know happened to win the overall um draft champions on the nfbc and then i was just able to get a whole bunch of heavy hitters onto the podcast so uh, no, everybody but, wanted to talk to you yeah <laughs> yeah i know it's so funny um but you know i'm just i'm extremely grateful for it i'm not um i'm not taking advantage of it at all i'm, I'm true i mean i am i'm i'm just using the ability to network to other people and just learn about and everything too. Like I've been really um, focused on learning about the history of fantasy baseball too. It's why trying to get on, you know, the guys from baseball HQ and RotoWire, just seeing how they developed their websites and, you know, why, why they got involved and um, why they chose this lane in life. Um, so it's pretty cool. Just not only the player evaluation side, but, you know, game, game theory, roster construction, but also like, you know, how, how the game got to us now, you know, and what, cause I think, it, I think it's important to learn like how it got here to further go into the future with it, you know? So yeah, yeah that's what I've been doing. been busy getting um, a whole bunch of people on talking about, you know, theory, uh, you know, how they attack the NFBC leagues, you know, strategy they use. Um, there's a whole bunch of player evaluation talk out there. So I've been focusing on a little bit of that, but mostly like how people like to build their teams, um, you know, strategies talks. Cool, cool. Well, you know, I, I wanted to, to tell you I've been enjoying it. And um, it's funny, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because um, I was in a draft the other day with James Tomini, the, the winner of the um, main event last year. Right. I was right. actually in his league. I was, I was, I helped him win sort of, I guess I could say, but you helped him win. <laughs> <laughs> I helped him win by not winning, but, um, <laughs> but uh, he won the main event last year and he was uh, in my, this DC I was doing the other day. And he just said, uh, you know, Hey Drew, when are you going to do another episode of your podcast? <laughs> it's been about a month. And I was like, Oh, well, the, the champ listens to my podcast. I love this. And he, you know, he said something nice about it. And I thanked him for his, his kind words. And I was just thinking about, you know, it really does make a difference to know people are listening and to know people are enjoying what you're putting out, you know, and I, I, I've tried to uh, sort of be a better citizen by telling people like you that and other, other folks. And, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was player analysis. And I, and I called it uh, boons and banes, you know, which mm -hmm. is a, a tribute to the, uh, the baseball HQ. Um, yeah. Mr. Davitt, show, right. Yeah. Patrick Davitt. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. You know, I, I I really uh, have, have appreciated more and more how, how great this community is. And, and I just feel like anytime we can support uh, each other and, and just 
not even necessarily like publicly, but just sort of a, a, a private note. If if anybody right. wants to send their favorite podcast host a note on Twitter, I, I know that they would appreciate it because I certainly appreciate it when when James said that. So I told him, um, I told him, sure, I'll do an episode. You come on and, and tell me how you won the main event. <laughs> but I, I've got uh, I've got just as good a thing here with you, Rob. So let's let's talk. Um, I did. I just wanted to I just wanted to um, um, add to what you said too. Like I think it's the biggest highlight for me. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I'm getting great guests on the show, people been around the industry for 20, 30 years. But when I get uh, a, a DM on Twitter from a fan who's, who's who tells me that the show has helped them greatly, that they're just getting involved with NFBC or they're just getting involved in fantasy in general, um, it's those are the ones that stick with me. Like, you know, when I first started to get it, when I first started the podcast, it was like, wow, like it's really overwhelming. Like what you feel when someone tells you, yeah, I'm listening to your podcast number one and number two it's you know it's helping me it's beneficial and I think in the early stages of when I didn't know you know what I was doing or what I was trying to do it really helped me say wow like okay like you know I'm gonna keep doing this because other people are getting something out of it and it's just it's just been great the constant dms of you know just saying hey you know this is great because I feel like you know I was just in new into the NFC last year as well so um a lot of the people who have reached out to me are, are brand new or getting into it for like the, maybe a second year and they felt like this, you know, a podcast has been helping them, you know, study for their upcoming draft. So, yeah, I, I feel like those those little DMs from people who just listen and not in the industry is just awesome. They're the best. Absolutely. Yeah. It's okay. It's Sorry. Pretty- I just had to say that because it's, no, it's, no, it's, I appreciate it's the, you doing it. Yeah, it's a big thing to me. Like, I, I'll never, you know, I'll never put that aside, like, and just, you know, say, what does this person want? I just thought me, like, it, <laughs> these people are, you know, like, really reaching out and telling me that, you know, that what I'm doing is helping them. So I'm super grateful. Well, speaking of pumping up the industry, we, we TGFBI uh, yes. just started yesterday. So right. uh, that's a big thing for, for a lot of us uh, that Justin Mason puts on. And um, kind of leads into what I wanted to talk to you about, because cool. I know you do uh, draft champions leagues, DCs, uh, and also, um, you know, fab leagues, I guess we'll probably stick to talking about 15 teamers today. Cause that's what I'm most familiar with. And that's what I play the most. And um, I would assume you too. Um, but you know, 12 teamers are good. There's a, there's a bunch of other kind of stuff, but as we're talking about these sort of, uh, you know, popular formats like the main event is played in and, and TGFBI is, is exactly the same format. Uh, is there anything that you switch or, or emphasize more um, than you would in a draft champions league? Cause like a lot of what I've been talking about and thinking about so far this year has been draft champions leagues. I've done, you know, uh, eight or nine of them, including the battle of the podcast that you were in and not much else, maybe a couple of best balls, but um, so I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, well, now I need to shift my mentality towards fab league. So how do you think about that? So it's interesting. I just did the uh, tag team league um, and my partner was Jenny Butler and it's a, a 15 team. Um, it's basically the same um, set up as the main event, um, you know, the, a seven man bench with fab. And it was my first fast draft and fab um, draft of the year, both me and Jenny. So it was, um, 
where at the top of the draft, we weren't really like, it wasn't so different. It was at the bottom of the draft where we had to get out of the mindset of like, for like example, on draft champions, I'm just, you know, you can't make, you can't make a move. You can't make fab. So I'm looking for the, you know, um, like my good buddy, Steve Weimer says, smart player, like, you know, boring is beautiful, you know, and it's something you really got to embrace when you can't make fab that, you know, you can't really keep reaching for prospects and guys who maybe are in a platoon role. Um, you got to take the guys who are just going to give you that volume, you know, like it's, it's almost just like, uh, it becomes sure. a mathematical equation rather than like that player evaluation, right? It's just like, how can I amass all this volume where every week I should hopefully not have, you know, guys, you know, um, you know, uh, off or, or just having players available at every spot. So I think transitioning to the Fab League was interesting because so there was like some players that we were targeting at the end of the, you know, the end of the draft, our reserve rounds or near reserve rounds. And there was players like Dylan Cease and Albert Alzale, you know, just like some high upside pitchers that we wanted to take a shot with. And they were going in the draft champions, like 350-ish. Um, they went up into like the 290s and 300. So, Whoa. yeah. So, you know, it caught off us like off guard Life a little comes bit. comes at you fast. Right, right. And that's the thing, Drew. Like, I totally miscalculated that, I guess, because it was still stuck in that draft champions, um, you know, mode. But um, it's interesting, you know, there well, of was course, a, I mean, somebody's getting pushed down as well. Right. So right. I'm sure you had other targets that you were able to, it, it is interesting to think about that. Maybe some of the, the safer players get pushed down and some of mm -hmm. the upside picks get pushed up. Like you might be more likely to take a, a prospect. Like we're going to talk about a couple of guys later. So yeah, that's an interesting yeah. balance to tweak, you know, uh, just expecting that. Right, because there was a couple of guys that fell, like, and I guess two um, players that the market's kind of been down on recently, like Randall Grichuk. Um, I know his ADP is falling, um, but like he, you know, like from as early as we started drafting, you know, like starting off in the 190s and two, 220s and 240s, he, we got him at like 317 and his tag team Whoa. draft and like I still love his skills and I still love the lineup so people I'll are take... worried about his playing time I guess right right and I get that and you know what in a fab league if it if it looks like he's not gonna get it you know we can always make that move but at 317 with that kind of skill set and that lineup I have no problem taking that but it was definitely yeah. the end game was definitely different um I definitely felt like um it felt like we miscalculated it I think we we still had some players we wanted but it was definitely like um a rude awakening to like hey this is not draft champions anymore you know this is <laughs> <laughs> this is different so um it was good though it was good to get involved in a fast draft too um because that was uh was that's also you went in planning to do different I know you had to make some adjustments there on the fly and that's interesting to hear about but like did you go in planning like one thing I am considering doing I, I in draft champions this year my strategy has been to get two top catchers in every league and not necessarily like JT Real Muto right. and Salvador Perez but may, maybe one of them or at least like a Wilson Contreras and then finish it off with like a Nola or a Vasquez or something you know like I, I want maybe James McCann is the last guy I want you know like I, I don't want any just fringy crappy catchers I want two very solid catchers and draft champions and then sometimes I'll you know not even draft 
but maybe one more as a backup because those guys just don't give you anything after round 35. They, re they really don't. Not even worth drafting. So, <laughs> don't. so, so, in, the, so in this, you know, in a, in a fab league, I'm thinking, well, that's a lot, to, you know, that paying up for two catchers in, in the rounds that I'm talking about, you know, probably the 10th, 11th, 12th round for the second catcher is, is a lot. And it's going to, you know, keep you from getting some, a really good upside outfielder or, you know, a, a Santander or a Solaire, somebody that can really thump. And so I'm thinking I might try to grab one top catcher and then get a guy in the late twenties. I don't know if that's uh yeah. It's, how does that it's, sit with you? <laughs> no, it's interesting because I'm the same way in the draft champion. I've been like, you know, Romuto early in, in, in some leagues. Um, it's, or if I don't get him, I'm double tapping in the middle, like Contreras and Nola Contreras and Vasquez. I've done, I've, I've done a couple routes like that. Um, but I'm the same way. I'm not, I'm not dipping past that, you know, um, it takes Sean Murphy, like right after, like this was before he had the, the, the what do you have? A collapsed lung. Um, collapsed lung, yeah. yeah I, I was like, that was the cutoff on me as well. Right. Pretty much right where McCann was. And I was like, okay, like I don't, anyone here on, I felt like, and Carson Kelly in some, some spaces I took him to, cause I still think there's, there's something in there, but pretty much after those guys, it was pretty much like, I feel like, uh, Novaez and Elias Diaz, I'm not going to, you know, bump them up because I need that second catcher. Um, because I feel like all the way down through the list, like you said, 35, around 36, 40, they're all the same. So I really wanted to nail those catchers, um, up top. And so in the, in the fab, uh, draft, so we went in, um, targeting again, we were targeting JTR and this was after the injury too. um, we just felt like, all right, well, he's probably going to drop a little bit and we'll pounce on it. Like, we'll we'll take that, you know, even if you lower his like playing time to like, you know, 420 at bats or, you know, he, he still returns like top 50 value, you know, because he's so good at catching. And um, so we, we weren't like um, really worried about that too much. And, you know, for a lot of people who, you know, claim that they're, Oh, but the, you know, the NL won't have a DH. Well, he had 596 plate appearances in 2019, Drew, with a, wow. without a DH, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you know, so Don't that's the funny him. thing. Like, everyone's making up these new contexts, you know, like, oh, there won't be a DH. He won't be able to play first or DH. Well, he didn't need to two years ago at all. So, yeah, um, that's and, amazing. Yeah, right. It's totally amazing. And then in that league, yeah, so we got JTR, you know, um, fell to us around four um, at like pick uh, 40, um, you know, 50. Yeah, so we were happy with that. And then we got um, Austin Nolan, 13. So again, we went, we still went that route. We still didn't want to, um, you know, find that, you know, play the wire for the advan uh, matchups. Um, this was something we went in thinking about doing and, Jeff Zimmerman and Fred Dinku picked right behind us. They did a similar route in round nine and 10. They went Wilson Contreras and Vasquez. Um, so they double tapped it right there on the wheel. They went Contreras pick, pick, and then Vasquez on the way back. So, um, you know, um, it seemed like they had that, a similar strategy to us in that, you know, realm. So, um, yeah, that, that was something we wanted to push up. Um, 
I can see going either way on the catcher thing. Um, right. The reason I was thinking about at least, you know, not punting, but, you know, getting one super late is because it does seem like an opportunity for to find value, right? You right. know, like I'm always trying to think about, well, where, where are the pockets of value? Where can I, you know, where can I strike and actually come up with something? Because, you know, you may hit on a starting pitcher in round 26, but right, right. You know, your, your odds are probably pretty low. I mean, maybe say you have a 20% or 15% chance that that guy is going to end up starting for you most weeks. Uh, whereas if you get a catcher there and he turns out to be, like you said, Elias Diaz, if he stays healthy, keeps the job, I mean, he could be, a, he could be almost as good or, or even as good as some of those guys you're getting in the, um, Nola, Aaron Nola, uh, I mean, right. Austin Nola range. Um, yeah, one of the Certainly Nolas. probably better than like the Molinas and Posies that you're getting a couple rounds later. Um, or, you know, he is his upside. So I'm saying, right. and, if, and if it doesn't work out, of course, you got to go to the wire. Um, right. So that's the sort of trade off. But I, it's something I've been thinking about. Um, yeah, another thing would be. <clears throat> Well, you were about to say something. What, what, what other? Uh, oh, um, so closers was the other thing that we tried to adjust our strategies for. We, um, I'm not um, typically one to reach up for closers and draft champions. Um, I kind of like to wait as much as I can. As the season gets, as the season was getting closer and guys were getting signed, and there was more concrete roles. You know, I was willing to you know take more chances. But even then, it was. Um, still like rounds 13, 14, where I would try to get my first one. There was one draft where I did take, um, I think I took Diaz early. Um, it was just because, you know, where where I was picking and what I had on my team, it was just like what I felt was the right move. But I'm typically not one to draft them early in draft champions. And in this draft, um, we just were thinking our our strategy was, okay, um, what – what can we take early in the draft that would give us maybe uh, a slight boost, you know, across the field and um, doing some, doing some um, homework on like what, what players in the top rounds have produced and of value in the last three, four years. You saw like the closers, as long as you got them right, you know, obviously you have to still hit them because of the extreme volatility, but they were, you know, they were, pretty high on the list of guys who were putting in that top round value. So top five round value. So we actually thought about and were prepared to go um, pocket aces, one, one batter, and then, you know, two double tap Hendricks and Hader um, if we could. And so it came, <laughs> it came, it came back. Um, so after we took Giolito Nola as pocket aces, Luis Robert made it back to us. We were kind of, you know, targeting like Whit Merrifield, Tim Anderson range. We we wanted to get into the batch with some speed and average. And um, Robert was a guy that we weren't prepared for dropping to us. And we just went with the upside play. We've, you know, we're not too, we weren't too concerned too about his average being too much of a, of a drag. So, um, but then on the, so we were like, okay, so we'll take that next closer on the next round. And then on the way back in round five, hopefully maybe Diaz or Iglesias falls to us. Um, well, that wasn't the case because uh, Jeff Zimmerman and Zinke, again, they double tap Hendrick Tater. So they had like a similar strategy. It was crazy how they did the same thing with relievers and catchers that, you know, we were targeting. So, um, 
Well, great it, minds think alike, right? Well, you know, it's 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 just it was so funny because when it happened, you know, we were in the Zoom, me and Jenny, like, and and we, you know, we had to pivot, but it was we had a plan to pivot, but we were just like, wow, like that's what we wanted to do, you know, or, or at least get one of those. And, you know, like I said, Diaz on the way back. So well, that can, was- Can we yeah. take a couple of points here? Um, one is uh, that surprises me a little bit in an overall because, you know, in an overall like TGFBI, well, you're not talking about an overall, sorry. No, this is a, this yeah, is the tag another, team. This is another difference. We we're talking about fab versus draft champions, but now this, right. is, a, this is another little nuance. So that Correct. makes a lot of sense. Actually, whether it's a draft champions, I've, I've you know, we've done the battle of the pods and some of those. Um, that that can be standalone as well, right? Or you're talking about a fab league that's standalone. It does make sense to me that that's those are the league standalone leagues are the ones where you pay up for closers because yep. you're not necessarily. I mean, you can probably lock that up a lot easier than you can lock up stolen bases. And so if right. you're punt one or the other, maybe punt stolen bases or at least soft punt it, you know, and come out, you know, in the middle to the you know middle third, I guess of the right. And that's what I was thinking was too, like, we didn't want to chase, you know, that was her mentality is not to have to chase two categories throughout the draft, like saves and speed. Yes. Like, so yes. we were thinking, Hey, let's double tap the closers. Then at least we can just fill in with speed as we go. Cause we weren't pocket aces. And but then if you yeah. pour it back over to the, to the leagues with overalls, it right. makes more sense to drop the close, to let the closers, you know, come to you and take stabs. And, you know, if it's right. a fab league play fab, and if it's a draft champions league, if you if you end up hosed yeah. closer then you just you just try to win your league and you're not going to win the overall with that with that entry and and that's a good point because that's what i tried to do last year it was my first time playing draft champions and i was yeah, like you didn't know you were going to win the overall <laughs> no no and i wasn't playing for that i was trying to win my league and you know i've always been a stave speculative guy in my home league so i tried to adapt that and say hey you know if i fall behind on this one category maybe i could still win my league which is pounding arms and bats um and you know it just happened to hit on the the Ryan Presley and Matt Barnes in, in round, you know, 25, 26. And, you know, that was just a home run for me. So. Well, you, you definitely know what you're doing. I've seen you build a couple draft champions teams now. Uh, I'm met. on the clock right now, Drew, TGFBI. Uh, live pick coming. What live are, pick. What are we it, since we're talking about it, I'm, I'm going to be about it. So in round, uh, round five, Josh Hader fell to me at 66. Uh, now I'm going to go back in with Edwin Diaz, just like we're talking about. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go. You're already in the sixth round? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in the sixth. Uh, we'll what see. round are you in? We uh, are in the early third round where one guy's been on the clock for over an hour here. So uh, it's just, you know, with a four-hour clock, it only takes one or two slowdowns to really. <laughs> yeah, to really throw a wrench into it, the right? day for a while. But right. uh, most people have been pretty good. I'm not complaining. But um, yeah, yeah. So, so that, so the closer thing was one thing, and I, I find it interesting that you just double tapped in a in a TGFBI, which has an overall. So maybe we should should roll back my point on that one. So you, so you have decided that's you're gonna you're gonna try to go that way, maybe even to the detriment of stolen bases, or what's the plan? Right now, it's to the detriment of stolen bases. Yeah. Right now, it's been that. I went pocket aces, Corey Seager, Real Muto, and then Hader Diaz. So okay. it's definitely, but I don't feel like, um, see, the one thing I've been trying to uh, really invest my time in a little bit is the, like, 
try not to rush back into stolen bases um, after I do pocket aces or if, if after two or three pitches, two out of my first three picks of pitches. Um, I feel like sometimes there's a reach to feel the need to go back into stolen bases and um, it's like trying to chip away with the Simeons and the Segoras. Um, I don't have a problem going that route and, and, and building up everything else. So if I could try to get middle of the pack with stolen bases and, and, and not try to win it and not try to reach up top, you know, um, going with a guy, you know, who maybe I don't feel comfortable with all around or I could find a similar skill set later so um yeah that's what that you shoot for is I mean you're shooting for 80 or 100 stolen bases when you're when you go that route because I mean I've I've seen all the the things like Toby posts them a lot you know where it's like the 80th percentile you need 130 say uh, uh stolen bases or whatever right um maybe maybe that's 90th percentile I don't know but I just um, so I know, so, yeah, I know a lot of people draft draft with that. I have it, I have it um, on the side, you know. Like uh, there's definitely something that I um, that I I have inputted like into um, a spreadsheet so I could see, you know, what those targets are. But the way I draft, I use um, I I use Ron Chandler's Babs um, system, and it's basically drafting skill sets. So there's um, Basically, for the parameters of your league, um, you know, you, so basically Babs is, is, is just the to embrace the imposition of the model of, of, of saying this guy will have 12 stone bases, right? Because in reality, if you think a guy can have 12, would you be shocked if he has seven or 17? No, probably not, right? You know, because that's the error bars in baseball. It's just a wide swing. So basically, there's a skill set um number that i'm trying to reach so for for this uh 15 team league let's just say there's uh six speed assets you know um and so for every for every player that has an asset rating of either like extreme a significant or moderate you know like an average type of asset i'm just tallying up that and embracing that fact that maybe i'll get you know if 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 the projections say I might get eighty, just knowing I might get sixty or I might get a hundred, you know, like just just understanding that there's fluctuation in that. So, um, but I do have that number, you know. I've you know I calculated, I get it out of the process too. But Jeff, Jeff Emmerman and Tanner Bell, it's awesome. They have a ton of information there, so I have it just so like um, I could look and say, okay, like this is on par with the assets I'm drafting, you know. So, um, gotcha. but I'm not so bent in on the number. Um, the reason, one reason I ask is, uh, so my picks so far in TGFBI are Jose Ramirez, Aaron Nola, um, Whit Merrifield, and Starling Marte. So I've gone pretty Say heavy. that again? Uh, Jose, Jose Ramirez, Aaron Nola, Whit Merrifield, and Starling Marte. So wow, I, I love that. Love I that went, start. I went super big on average and stolen bases and, uh, you know, hitters that get those things and don't hurt you elsewhere. Uh, and I got one, one pitcher that I feel like, you know, might be one of the few guys who can, who can, you know, get near 200 innings this year. So hundred uh, percent, totally agree. I love that start Drew. That's totally, when I don't go with the pocket aces route, that's the kind of approach I would totally get into. Absolutely. Love it. So it's, so I, I obviously I'm, I'm kind of prepping for the overall because I want to, you know, I want to have that full aspect of the five hitting categories and then yep. I'm going to build some power later. Um, 
But even with that, you know, I'm thinking, well, if I get 25 from each of those guys, that's a pretty good start. But I, I can't, I'm not done with stolen bases at 75 if I want to get to 120, 130. You know, I, right. I still have to grab some guys, like you said, the, the you know, the, uh, I think you said Simeon and, you know, him and Dansby Swanson are, are two guys I love to grab at, at shortstop. I'm thinking about Simeon as a second baseman now is, is really sexy. You know, when you it's think huge. about uh, he, he may, you know, second base is pretty rough and he may be, um, he may jump to the top of the, you know, second baseman that I really want to target because his counting um, stats have always been great. So, right. Yeah. Anyway, we, uh, we took actually, him. Yeah. We took him in that tag team draft and right, right at nice. the close of round seven, you know, we Did you take like, him as a second baseman. Or? Yeah. Yeah. We took him as a shortstop, but you know, we just love that. Uh, you know, that thought, like he said, yeah. like, yeah, he, he's as soon as the season starts and maybe the second, third week, I'll have that flexibility. So, so this leads us into a little segue into the, into the players that we were going to talk, some of the players we were going to talk about, because you actually mentioned two of them a minute ago. And that was Luis Robert, who you drafted with, with, with Jenny, mm-hmm. I think you said in the third round late, which is, which is interesting that he fell. And then some of the other guys that go around there. So I actually just mentioned uh, Starling Marte and Whit Merrifield Um Ozzy Albies goes a little bit before that. And then I asked you if we could talk about Tim Anderson. So I'm, I'm kind of lumping in some other people with Tim Anderson and Luis Robert, who I was like, <laughs> yeah. talking about. But, but the, the thing that I want to get at is I kind of told myself, it's funny what you said about stolen bases, not rushing into them. I kind of told myself this last year, uh, but it was a little bit different. And it was, I'm not going to get stolen. I'm not going to try to get stolen bases from a guy that I don't think is a great hitter without them <laughs> right no words, good point yeah i had some even later round guys that just just crushed me last year because like i was getting ahmed rosario everywhere mm. and he didn't even steal any bases you know right. and and, and the, when i look back i was taking him instead of Corey seager at around the same time you know it's like that completely hosed me and right um so and, and I, at that point sorry but at that point like you would just like even though Seager, you know, obviously showed that solid ability to crush a ball earlier in his career, you just felt like you needed to save uh, the save the steals more, right? So that's why you you were inclined to go more that route. That's that's right. right. And, I, and yeah. I was and I was doing it in in too many leagues, so I kind of learned that lesson. But the other thing was, I just it wasn't just a Med Rosario, you know. Like I looked at Victor Robles, I looked at a lot of guys who, when you get out of those first maybe three rounds, four rounds the guys you're taking to get stolen bases from, you don't really know anything. You, know, you don't know if they're actually going to steal the bases. You don't know if they're going to do anything else. You don't know if they're going to bat 240. You don't know if they're going to bat at the bottom of the lineup and not get any counting stats. I mean, you really just are taking a lot of risk on when you get those guys later on. And mm. not, obviously I'm not talking about the Seguras and the Marcus Simeons of the world, because you're not expecting 20 stolen bases from those guys. You're getting them for a, what I consider a very solid profile. Right, exactly. And what you're getting, you know, with the, I mean, I don't want to pick on any particular players because they might, they might be the best, you know, they might, they might be a, a great get this year, but like everybody's kind of going back to the well with Robles and Nayota Tavares and, and, and these guys are going, mm, you yes. know, 10th round, you know, so they'll probably get pushed up even more. And I'm just right. thinking that's a, that's a very ceiling oriented profile, but there's no floor. There's just no floor. And so right. if I get these guys up front, then I can take the boring guys, the Simeons and Seguras later, and I don't have to, I can still compete for the overall 
um, without having to like get all these risky profiles. So right. I don't know. I, I, it's just something I've been kind of toying around with. But the reason <laughs> after that long soliloquy, uh, <laughs> the reason I wanted to ask you about these guys specifically, I've seen you draft Luis Robert now, um, I guess twice because you, you had him in, um, was it the battle of the podcast that you got him? I think it might've been, he, he might've fallen to you in that. Um, uh, I think so. I think so. Um, let's see. I'm bringing it up now. Um, battle of the podcast. Wait, do I have that one up? Let's see. Let me bring that one up. That's the only one I didn't bring up when I, uh, at <laughs> all the pods. Well, and then, and then the other thing, the other guy I had asked about was Tim Anderson. Um, and, the, yes, I did. Sorry. Yeah, I did get Robert in Battle of Pods. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, probably Robert, I think, is going more early third round and, and Anderson more late third round. Right. But um, I was just going to get your opinion on those two guys because, you know, I, I know I feel like Robert is an upside play and you've said that. Um, but I feel like it's funny how we, we talk about guys as if they um, don't have a floor when sometimes just the just their their combined skills really do give them a floor like right. robert yeah. can hit 240 and still be a top 50 player because he might, he might go 30 30 and have decent counting stats so um what i don't see is the flip side in tim anderson i i, I could see things going wrong for tim anderson and you know he doesn't get to 20 home runs and maybe he doesn't even steal 10 bases and they move him down in the lineup and he, and, and um, you know, I don't know what the batting average floor is there now. I don't, I don't see him hitting less than, you know, 260, 270, at least you know, probably more, but what, how would you see, you know, what do you think about my sort of appraisal of those two guys? Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned, you know, all the guys you mentioned, you know, the Merrifields, the Marte, um, him, Anderson, and Robert, like I said, that was our target, me and Jenny, and that tag team league was, you know, those four guys were like, okay, you know, we'll go back into batting with one of these guys. And we had our choice of Robert or Marte, and I think by the last three or four years, Stalin Marte has been one of my, you know, prime building blocks to building a team. Um, and I think when you, you know, when you pair the age to, um, you know, the age worrisome about one guy's taper off on taking off the steal, um, that was one, our one concern with Marte. Um, and it was just strictly the fact that this, you know, Robert is just an amazing athlete too. Like we're just trying to, we're looking at the sprint speed, we're looking at how, how hard he hits the ball. Um, and just looking at some of the stats that he had in, the uh, minor league too was just you know pretty fascinating and you know I, I know some people argument that um, that it was a hitting environment and and his stops in Birmingham and Charlotte were just like hitter environments that he played in but you know you just look at the 32 homers and 36 stolen bases and you know 12 triples and 35 doubles in one season you know I I don't care what level that is it's just uh you know his stack cast page too there's 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 a there's blue in there. There's a lot of blue that people don't like, but I don't think the batting average will be a, as much of a drain as people think. Um, think it, he was holding it pretty solid until that little dive at the end of the season. But you know the the popular opinion is that the dive would have continued, right? But who like maybe he would have rose it back up, you know? And I I just see like his hitting profile, how hard he hits the ball, just doesn't show me that he's like going to be prone to hitting 220, 210, like a lot of people think might happen. 
Um, you just spent 200 at bat in, in, in MLB and, and I don't know, he sprayed the ball everywhere. And you know what? One thing I just started looking at Roto Fanatic, the uh, data monster, and I had Paul Mamino on my show and yeah, he yeah. was talking about the um how he developed the metric to show like the expectancy of guys to um to want to swing in the zone and so like not all like swinging strike rates are 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 the same right because it's it's like um with the pitch you know it's heavily detailed but from what i know it's pitch location pitch type and the expectancy that players swing at those pitches and robert and like guys like um, a they had high, you know, whiff rate, but the pitches they were whiffing on were pitches that they would expect, like we would expect people to swing at. It's it's not like they were just completely all out of the zone and he was reaching all the time. So, looking at that, it's just I don't know. I just have a good feeling like that. This is this is the guy that in an overall competition, when I go back into batting at the pocket aces, that I want to jump on. I want to be. You know, I want to shoot for it with this profile because I think I can back it up later if I'm just a little bit afraid about the average, which I'm not really concerned that he's going to be a drag on it. I don't think he's going to be a boom on it, but I'm not afraid to go back and, you know, take take my Jeff McNeils, take Michael Brantley and, you know, boost that up um, just to help me out. You know, so that's what I feel about Robert. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just uh, I could be wrong, completely wrong on my my evaluation of him, but um, I just think that he's, I think he's going to make some noise this year. I think that makes sense. I mean, I think, like I said, I really do feel that the, the tools give a player a floor in a way that we don't really think about, you know, we right. don't, floor doesn't have to be average floor can be, you know, he's going to go 2020 if, if he has a bad year, you know, like, no, yeah, uh, you're right, Drew. There are yeah. a few players that I, you know, could really say that about, but he's one of them. And so and I don't think I've ever seen him go before, Kyle Tucker and I, and I don't I don't like that I just I feel like Louis Robert is, is getting a little bit um you know disrespected so because but, yeah and and that's funny because I think when the season ended I felt the same way like that Tucker and Robert were kind of even or maybe Tucker ahead and then the more I dove into it and the more I felt comfortable that Robert was the better pick and you're right he's he's not going before Tucker ever and I think that could be a mistake so before we come back to Sam Anderson, another guy I asked you about was Keston Hira. And um, mm. he mm. is maybe even a more extreme version of the strikeouts. You know, the, he really he really struck out a lot this year. Um, however, you know, he's he was a top prospect. He was great in the minors. Uh, you know, it was a weird year for everybody. He's, mm. he's not going to be a guy who doesn't strike out. You know, he's, he's going to have that in his profile. But I'm curious, and I've seen you take, I think, Javi Baez, and, I, you know, he's another guy that strikes out. You know, maybe people would say too much. Uh, is, there, is there a place where we need to draw the line? Is Joey Gallo the play? You know, where, where do we, where, where do strikeouts and, and, and sort of whiffs in the game really become a problem as you see it? Um, or are these players all toolsy enough to, to have a floor? Such a fascinating question because I, I, I think it's, it's, it's something that we're not diving into enough as an analyst is, you know, the, the tendency to just um, say, oh, you swing the miss too much, you know, and just eliminate that thought. But, but you know, strikeouts are rising, right? So, like, um, you know, how, 
what's that exactly like you said like what's that line like why you know if this guy's gonna strike out a ton does it really matter as much as we are making it out to be when everyone else is starting to strike out just as much so it is it is interesting for a guy like Keston Hayora um uh, again like you said toolsy guy right um if he hit 250 would you be mad if he does 28 12 you know (laughs) like I'll take that all day all day at second base, maybe first, maybe right field. Who knows? Like it's, um, you know, and like you said, it was a weird season. Um, you know, you could take that small sample size of him not being able to catch up the balls high in the zone um, or, you know, you could get even more granular on it and do like a whiffs per swing and, and take a look and say, all right, you know, is this really – too much to be evaluating or you could just watch him play and say he doesn't look like the type of hitter that's just going to be completely lost at the plate for the whole you know a whole 162 game season um maybe pitchers are adjusting to him which is fine but i mean i, I, I love think, hearing I think you say that i feel like yeah. we need to do more of that uh, of, of of just going back to the tape and say and watch and, and say does this guy really look like he's just completely lost at the plate or not you know and maybe that 33% or whatever can be explained in something, yeah. you know, maybe he went through this trip, maybe he faced, uh, you know, uh, you know, Bieber and then Giolito and then, you know, like maybe just maybe, uh, you it's, know, match- it's so funny. It's so funny. You mentioned that Drew, because I, and I've asked people this and I've talked to other people, you know, I've talked to a ton of people about this, but everyone's, everyone's, changing their evaluations of the central pitching right so how come we're not adjusting the central bats <laughs> right because i guess we don't know which one caused which the other one to be you know bad or good you know so with whether were the arms that elite or the bats that bad so but but if you think the arms were that elite right but now the central bats are playing the whole rest of the league so shouldn't we be like oh you know, uh, don't count this too much because he faced elite pitching, right? And I don't hear anyone talking about that at all. I guess the case you could make is if you say it's a little of both, then you, right. you down the raid the pitchers a little bit and you don't worry about the batters as much. So Correct. that is kind of what I see people doing. And I, I think that's probably right. It's just a matter of how much, you know, nobody right. nobody has a clue how much. Can't you quantify know? that, yeah. A guy like Maeda <laughs> with a BABIP of 208, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> Uh, we probably need to, you know, downgrade him quite a bit. I, you know, and I've, I've been famously not, not maybe not famously, but I've, I've said some things that ruffled some feathers about him because I just can't see him in the third round making any sense. Right. Um, but, but, I, you know, I think he's a great pitcher. I think he was a bargain going in the ninth round last year. I just think there's a middle ground there where, you know, there, there are some pitchers that I would take over him. Um, right. Right. And getting back to the whole, like, um, you know, player profiling um, and, you know, the, the swing and miss guys, right. It, it, it's not just one guy, like that's going to, you know, drag your team down in one area, you know, Keston Hero won't be the reason you lost batting average. You know, that's just my opinion. Like there's, there's all these other batters that factor into that so other than other than maybe joey gallo he, he might be right the reason. <laughs> right, right actually right. no i take that back even he won't be the reason because he walks so much that you mm-hmm. know his batting average is going to have a smaller denominator so yeah right. I, I, i'm with you i think you can certainly build a team in a way to absorb anybody 
Um, certainly, you know, people talk about catchers batting averages and again, less at bats. It's just, you, you know, you, you can work around batting average. Um, even, right. Even if, if you're like a projection guy, if, if you're looking at the projection for your and it's 250, right, that's that's the league average. So he's not a drag on your average. You know, he's just not going to that's not the average that you, you know, you're, that you're shooting for in that target range that you mentioned, like the 80 percentile. But it, it's 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 not a drag. You know, he's not a batting average drag. Um, so unless you think he's that that 212 is going to carry because he's swinging and missing more. I don't see that happening. I don't yeah, see him. I, hitting. I think that's a little that's a little silly if anybody's trying to, you know. Right. A lot of people hit barely over 200 in the central this year. You know, Christian Yelich, you know, like I, I don't think it makes any sense to uh, to 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 overweight that that short season for those hitters so right and it's just like you know i i also just like one of the main metric that i like to go to is you know that the exit exit velocity on fly balls and line drives and it's just those guys that swing and miss a lot they're they're still ranking in the top of that and if you could drive the ball deep um and 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 on a rope uh that just leads to better you know all the counting stats that you need yeah that's awesome Yeah. Well, circling back to Tim Anderson, um, do you see any, I mean, you said he's a target for you right there with Whit Merrifield and, and Starling Marte and those guys, maybe throw in Robert or Rosarina or whoever that's going to be that sort of five category guy. Do you, do you see any, diff, I mean, all those guys are there for you or, or do you see any more risk with Tim Anderson? I just picked him out. I've actually drafted him a couple times, but I, the more I, I just, kind of gnaws at me somehow I just can't quite get comfortable with the idea uh that he's going to the thing I think for me is other than the the BABIP which we can talk about forever um, (laughs) it's just there's never been quite the consistency you'd like to see you know he was on 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 pace for this like 30 stolen base season a couple years ago and then he got hurt and then he didn't steal anymore and then this year he stole five bases and so it's like well that's that's good for a short season but it's not like a a burner type guy. I'm like, I could see him stealing 12 bases, 11 bases, and I wouldn't be shocked. And I could see him hitting 21 home runs, 22 home runs, and I wouldn't be shocked. And I feel like in your, with your third round pick, especially if he hits 274, that's just going to leave me a little wanting more. I I totally agree. And that's why he was a target for us because he was one of the players that, you know, Jenny, um, wanted as part of the group. So it was a guy I was considering because it was, you know, you're playing with a, a partner and you have to be flexible to what other, you know, like what to do here. And um, and you're going think... for that profile that, that he shares with those other guys. And he may Correct. have a little bit more power than what Merrifield, but not as many stolen bases, but it's. And, you're, you're... and here's the thing about that profile that you just mentioned, right? You, you just mentioned maybe 280, 12 stolen bases, right? You know who can do that? 40 picks later, Cattell Marte, right? <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, I, I'm totally on board there. And that's one of the things that Babs captured, um, that those guys are very alike. You know, that that, that I range. I thought you were going to say uh, Gene Segura, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Just, just, just even that 40 pick difference, if you like that profile. Yeah, you, no, exactly. Right? You know, and if you want to target that, you know, and people say, oh, you, you're crazy if you think Marte's going to steal more base than Anderson. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the range of possibilities can lead you to where they end up pretty close to each other. And is that 40 pick difference worth you know, that, you know, maybe the counting stats, you know, the runs might be, you know, um, 
a little bit more, but um, I agree. I think I think there's I think there's um, I think there's holes in the power profile too that I'm not really sold on for him as well. Um, and uh, you know, it it's hard too because it's people will get drawn in for you know White Sox stacked lineup. He's at the top, and that makes sense. I totally get that. I, I'm not discouraging that at all. But um, you know, you know. But the other thing I think about that stack lineup, right, Drew, is like, what if Ruiz Robert is so good, right? And Anderson is slipping. Like, what if he enters batting leadoff? He batted leadoff the other day when, you know, when Anderson didn't play, it was Robert. But even that whole lineup, you know. There are guys that can force themselves to the top right, of that lineup. Moncada right. can, can make a case for himself that he is the leadoff hitter, you know, and Eloy is, I think, penciled in for fifth or sixth. I mean, that he can easily be the cleanup hitter and right. they have to shuffle uh, Grandal and uh, crap, who am I forgetting? Abreu. I mean, <laughs> this is a lot of people to fit in right. the four lineup spots. Totally agree. That, you know, it could really flip-flop and um, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, so uh, Tim Anderson is, you know... Um, Not the yeah. safest third-round pick. I think we no, agree, I, but... But I, I told, but I, yeah. I like the profile in some ways. I just feel I just I actually made the decision to go with Whit Merrifield instead because I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna get my stolen bases. I feel like you know, unless he just decides not to run again like he sort of did in 2019. I mean, he could get 30 something if he wants to. Right. Um, and so I'm just gonna sort of go with that side of the profile. I know he doesn't have as much power as Tim Anderson, but I don't think it's that different. I don't think Tim Anderson's gonna hit 30 home runs. So. No, no, I, I, like I said, I, I really don't think so. I, I don't think that. Um, and it's, it's this pocket of value comp, um, you know, concept too, where I feel like there are some elite shortstops up front and then you kind of get into this no man's land with Tim Anderson, which he's great. Don't get me wrong. But you know, when you're paying in the third round, you're not getting nearly what you pay. You, 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 you would have gotten in the second round with uh, you know, Lindor or, or even Bichette right. uh, and right. you're not getting what you're, you know, getting earlier in the third round, maybe with, with, with Bogarts or Corey Seager. And yet, are you getting that much more than you would get a couple of rounds later with Dansby Swanson or Simeon or hundred percent, even you could take a shot on Correa, you know, like who, whatever the case, I, I, I don't endorse I totally every, everybody I mentioned, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like you said, like, you know, um, in, in, in TGFBI, I took Seager, um, and I just feel like he just, um, he has power metric that line up for like 30, 30 home run hitter, you know, like, uh, and five. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, right? I completely agree. And, you know, you're not getting the stolen bases, but it right. goes back to your point about like, well, if you can mash the crap out of four categories, that might be better than, you know, just sort of skating by in really all five, right. cer certainly, you know, not dominating any one um correct and you know that there are this is the multiple... great thing about playing right drew is that everyone has all these different <laughs> ways to do it. it yeah i love it <laughs> but, I, love I, it. but but really the thread that runs through all of that to me is thinking about the pockets of value i mm. mean when you think about a guy like hira in the fifth round i mean i probably wouldn't go that way if he was an outfielder but right. we're talking about second, 30 home runs from second base, you know, 10 stolen bases from second base. And then, you know, I think about, um, well, you know, I, I made the case about Anderson, but like Luis Robert, 
you are getting massive upside from a position where you would want massive upside. So it's just an interesting way to, to, to sort through it all. But uh, let, me, let me ask you about one completely unrelated thing. And that's, uh, I, I put Andrew Vaughn on our, our listed players to talk about. I want to yeah. kind of get your thoughts about him and maybe prospects in general, because I, you know, I kind of, in, in draft champions, I, I just about won't draft a prospect. Right. Um, you know, even when we're talking about pick 250 or whatever, because it's just like, first of all, you don't know whether there'll be up. Second, uh, you know, Dylan Carlson was a very good prospect last year, a top prospect last year. He came up and struggled, went down to the, you know, went down to the alternate site again. Um, so that, you know, we've been so spoiled with Tatis and Acuna and we think every prospect is gonna, you know, totally take agree. our team to the championship. But um but I'm curious if there is if there's anyone this year, and I, I threw Vaughn out there. Feel free to talk about anybody else. Is there anybody out there that you are willing to take a stab on if it's late enough? Yeah, so I think it's you know um, I'm not taking um, prospects and draft champions. Um, the late I've taken, I think the earliest I took one was Jeter Downs in like round forty. Um, that's just because before Kiki and Marlon Gonzalez. That's came, the earliest is round forty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's I thought. Nice. And I thought he had um, a path, and I do. I still think he might because I think his talent might just shine through that. Um, Maybe second half. I mean, draft champions. People don't think about that. Um, right. Right. One league. It was actually the podcast league. I'm surprised you guys let me do this, but I got uh, Luis Severino <laughs> in the 30th round, and I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> I understand second. all the caveats here, but it's the 30th round, you know. Right. Right. But, um, but yeah, 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 I agree. And, and Downs is like, you know, so this is another thing you got to pay attention to. Like he's listed in the NFC as a shortstop, right? He's qualified for shortstop. He's going to come up. If he does come up, he's going to come up by second. So again, that's that second shortstop. That's two, two, you know, a multi-eligibility guy at pick 40 who might come up in the second half of the year. It might give me two, 300 at bats again, but I'm not counting on him to do that. And, you know, it's. Uh, and it's I'd pop- be more, I'd be more interested in those toolsy guys, right? Like if you yeah. told Kellenic was going to be up from day one. I'd be like, okay, I'm kind of interested. Um, the reason I asked about Vaughn is because I've heard him compared to, you know, like a Jesse Winker or Colin Moran type guy. And I'm like, I think I'll a just platoon take guy. <laughs> exactly. You mean a platoon guy? <laughs> but it's like, I think I'll just take Jesse Winker or, or Colin right. Moran or right. jo- Joey Vado in round 22. You know, like I, if I'm just getting a first baseman that I don't know how good he is because he's never played in the majors before. I'll just take somebody that is pretty good and has done it because they're, they're not expensive either. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Like you're going in right now on like a 250 on Andrew Vaughn. Right. And so he, I get the whole call, you know, he's, Crazy. I watched him in college. Yeah, I get it. Fine. But he, he hasn't played above a, a ball, right. He didn't really dominate a ball like uh, as what we seem to be like his even his fly ball distances stuff like that his power metric that we expect to be off the charts weren't really off the charts um and it's just another context thing right so they're saying well they signed robert and and jimenez but it doesn't mean they're gonna do it to vaughn right and what if he struggles in spring training and they give edwin encarnacion a call again and say hey buddy you're a free agent you want to you know this kid's not ready you know, or, okay, so what if he does start too in the majors and he runs off a month or six weeks that he's terrible and they, hey, you know what, <laughs> you got options, buddy, you're going back to the, there's just too many things there 
to me, you know, like it's just, it's not a lot. Like you said, it's not a lot. Tatis and Soto have spoiled us, <laughs> you know, they're like generational talents. They're the, you know, the, they're the exception, you know, like that's, that's not things that are, are set in stone. Like the number one prospect is going to be the guy, you know, I just see too many avenues for them to, to go another way. Cause they're serious about winning, you know? So if he's not the guy, if he's not ready, um, and he's not performing well, it, it can, you know, you're going to spend capital on him to maybe get sent down. Now you got to hold them, you know, like in a fab league too, you know, um, with the COVID, you know, possibly being like it was last year, or maybe not as crazy. You still want that flexibility of your bench to be guys that are going to be ready to play for you, you know? You're so definitely gonna need it's that. tough. It's a tough pick, you know, for the, me. The, I just, yeah, the, there's just no, no room on the, on, on the bench for stashing in no. a seven, uh, seven, uh, you know, team, seven player bench. It's just not, not right. Work. And, and in a DC, boring is beautiful, you know, like boring is beautiful. A hundred percent. I love that Steve Weimer quote on my podcast. I was like, wow, this is great. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, you know, like, I think if there's, there's a couple of like other guys I took in like round 48, 49, um, I took Josh Jung because I thought maybe there might be an opportunity for him to come up again. And I'm not expecting him to give me 400 at bats or 300 at bats at that pick. It's just like, if you come up and you know, you, you're good. Okay. That's gravy. And that's like probably at the end of my draft where I'm like, all right, should I take a, a fourth catcher or fifth <laughs> catcher? Or should I, you know, take this upside guy or do I need this 11th outfielder or should I take this upside guy? It's, it's, it's not, it's not it's like a if spot you're gonna, where if you're going to take a stab, pay for a stab, you know, take yeah, it in yeah, the 35th <laughs> round, the 45th yeah. round. Don't, yeah. don't take a stab in the 15th round. That's not where you take a stab, you know, no, you're going to be getting something. Well, Kalenic is the same thing. Like, uh, and I'm not bitter because I'm a Met fan and they traded him, <laughs> but yeah. he's like, it's not a lock for him to come up and, and be Ken Griffey Jr. You know, like it's really not. And I just think like when you're playing with, you know, mo big time money on the line, it, it, it's just it, even draft champions. Like, you know, I, I love Zach and Zach has the most, you know, J Zach Roto from the draft champions. He, he has the most Jared, shares that it of of anybody i could pull up the four drafts i was with him in and it, he has him and every team and that's and again tyler that's, and tyler male and tyler male again but the diversification thing is now you now you're really banking on him to come up stay up for a whole year give you 500 400 at bats of, of pure studliness if, if they all hit he'll he'll win the overall by like five thousand. but um <laughs> <laughs> you know, no i mean i think zach would admit this he 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 likes upside and he likes evaluating right. players but um but yeah you kind of you kind of get beaten into boredom when you <laughs> when you when you take teams like that you, you realize that boring boring really is beautiful well before we uh we are done here let's let's talk about some pitchers i'm, I'm probably okay. i probably like talking about hitters more um and i feel like i'm better at analyzing them but um with pitcher i've, I've really bought into you know you, you got to get some uh some real volume pitchers early that can get you strikeouts and ratios and all that but um the the, the interesting thing is where to to dip back in to the, to right. the pitcher pool and, um, you know, there's a few guys I like around the eighth round, and then it's a real conundrum to me where in the teens rounds to get a fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth pitcher, you know, starting pitcher. Uh, what do you, look, I'll, I'll throw out two guys that, that I 
I think I'm, I don't mind mentioning them because everybody likes them right now. And that's John Means and Jose Urquidy. Oh yeah, everyone loves Urquidy right now. It's so big, right? And I, and I like them too. Uh, I mean, I think one one thing about them that I love is especially Means and to some extent Urquidy, I think, uh, although he's, he's more unproven, um, they're really good control pitchers, you know, right. especially, especially means. I mean, I mean, that's always sort of been his calling card. But the other things are are, are big question marks, right? I mean, means right. had a couple of high strikeout starts at the end of the year. Uh, so did Musgrove, you know, like. But all of these guys from from like the seventh round to the twentieth round, I think they could all be great and they could all be busts. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, you don't necessarily have to comment on those two, but I'm curious where you see the pockets of value for you, or if there are anybody you're generous enough to uh, to mention by name here. Is this for draft champions uh, specifically, too, or in general? In general, because I, general. I, I see it as again, I've harped on this before. I'm sure people are tired of hearing me, but like literally, once you get past those first five rounds or so all of your pitchers are speculative right um about two years ago and I, I this is what i always go back to you had nick pavetta and shane bieber and one of them was going up and one of them was going down but they were both about you know seventh eighth round uh price and uh, what was that 2019 so um so so what do you think about where do you like to pay for your pitchers and if it does differ between uh fab leagues and draft champions uh, i'd be interested to hear that too yeah, so it's these two guys are very interesting right now. Urquidy's getting a bunch of buzz too because um, obviously his you know lateral horizontal movement or off the charts. Just uh, you know, um, Eno Saris has definitely pointed that out. That in, ter- in terms of pure stuff and movement, it's, he's pretty much uh, an amazing pitcher, as he says, uh, quoted. Um, and you know. It's funny because everyone was pretty high on him coming into the year and I guess from COVID and him not getting uh, a full stance in the whole year, you know, strikeout number came down a little bit. Um, He's he's definitely a guy that I'm considering um, back in, you know, like in that 200 range. Um, I, I, I'm more, I'm more um, the way I I've been building my team with like pocket aces or, High, um, high high K guys up top. Um, when I get back into pitching, I've been leading more on the boring, like um, Mike Miners and Ryan Yarbrough's of the world, like guys who I think um, just, well, Miner, I just think he's going to be, I think he's going to be one of the top volume guys of the year. Um, and Does that it, change for you any in a fab league? Are you less interested in, in the in Mike Miners of the world? I mean, I've not, I, it's it, it's funny you asked me that because when we did the tag team with the fab I, I um I was wondering like you know how how is this going to be different right now but um I don't think it changes because I just think that he's the guy that's going to get the ball and throw and I think in this in this new landscape of the you know of pitching that that's that's valuable you're going to um, need that volume at some yeah, point you're going to be real yeah. glad to have it and if he's healthy and going and you know he has some upside too for strikeouts so right right yeah. i just yeah and you know and obviously means too ended the year um you know sparkling um it's just you know his 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 um power power metric against him it's just a, a little scary and i don't know if that's just because of where like the division he plays in or, or the parks, you know, that he plays, you know, against um, in, but, you know, he, he, 
he gives up a ton of barrels. And actually, the one thing I have to say, his barrels to home run ratio is, is kind of a little off. It's, it's weird because like last year, he gave up 12 homers on 10 barrels. So he had like two home runs that were not barreled up. So I don't know. If- it's funny because as you're talking, I'm thinking about, well, you know, he really only had those incredible metrics in the last two or three starts, you know, as far right. as the strikeouts and the swinging strike rate and all that. I'm like, well, maybe in those starts, he didn't have as many, he didn't give up as many barrels. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is three starts. You know, this is like such a small sample size that 100%. We, we really need to be careful with, with you know, <laughs> taking anything from this kind of stuff. And, you know, what we can say about John Means, I think, is that he has the potential to strike some people out. He hasn't really had a track record of doing it. He does have a track record of pretty good control. Uh, but then my caveat on the other side would, would be he plays for the Orioles. So <laughs> good luck getting wins. You know I mean? He's not going to get, he's not going to be uh, falling into easy wins. And the lineup that he's going to face, right? I mean, you know, I know he's not going to play the Yankees and, another and the thing, Blue Jays we all the time, but. <laughs> we, we don't have a real track record of him going deep into games. I don't think I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull him up because I think he had a decent innings total in 2019 155 innings 27 starts i mean that's that's pretty good uh but you know this is not a guy that's like been a workhorse and we were convinced he could you know i think about this for all the <clears throat> young upside pitchers you know i mean I, uh it's funny because people, like yeah again, sorry well i feel like people are you know drew smiley is one that 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 Toby mm. has famously looked at and and yeah he's got some crazy upside he's never you know it, it's been two or three years since he's had a significant number of innings, you know? And so it's just, we, it's great to have upside and, you know, you can make the argument that it picked 200 and something. You just want a guy with upside. You don't even care about uh, volume. You don't want, you want volume of a bad pitcher. So right. you, you yeah. That can hurt. Right. Yeah. So, Absolutely. But, and it's, but at some point you got to get your innings, you know, at some point. Right. Gotta, right. Point. It's like one thing that's pretty, pretty crazy about means is, um, you know, I head over to our Alex Chamberlain's pitch leader board and looking at his rolling graph and um, his ball percentage, like, you know, which the baseball forecaster showed, like ball percentage is a good indicator of whether his, uh, the walk, the walk rate is true or not. And, you know, and, it, and matching those two up, it, it's something really good to identify when you're trying to determine whether um, a pitcher's like walk, walk percentage is, is, is accurate or not. And if you head over to his, his rolling average graph, it, it's interesting is because the last um, last start, like you mentioned, his ball percentage was in a range where it's like, wow, you know, this guy looks like legit, you know, like he, he, it looks like he, he might be keeping this down. He might be, you know, um, real in that. Cause, and whip too is like something that's really overlooked. Right. You know, I think it, it's a category that we kind of forget about like, Hey, this, this is a, you know, this counts too. Um, and, you know, so I'm looking at his page right now and, he put himself into the 30, 30% um, ball percentage for all pitchers, which, which is good. That's like equivalent to a walk rate of like five, 6%, which is excellent. But I go, you know, I see that he's also displayed this before in his, you know, in his um, 2019. So he's gotten to that level one before. So something may just be not right with him in terms of the way he's delivering ball like repeatability I don't know I'm not like good enough pitching like you know when I have to get into that type of thing I'm like okay it's better to just walk away because like I don't really <laughs> you know because like I don't know that area of 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 
of of evaluation like you know whether or not he's repeating the same pitch and you know arm slots you know but the ball percentage thing is interesting it's just up and down it looks like an ekg you know it's just it's just <laughs> up and down it's up and down so maybe that you know maybe the walk rate stays low or maybe it jumps back up to you know the levels he's shown previously but um it's you know it's it's tough he's he's not a guy i'm i'm really i haven't drafted all season um and I don't know. It's just, like I said, he's in a group for me that I have like a similar skill set guy, you know, that I, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather take, I'd rather take a shot at Kakuche, you know, um, a hundred picks later or, or, you know, like Alzale, um, Luke Weaver, Lorenzen. I, I'd rather wait a hundred picks and take my shot there. I think then, um, cause I think I'm still attacking batters in that range. Um, like you said, when to come back into pitching, right? It, it It's still at that range where I'm just like, oh, I don't like you guys here. And it's like, Justin Turner, sure, yeah. You know, 20, <laughs> 80, 300, sure. You know, like, I don't know, those, it's the bats in that range are still, um, I think, more attractive to me and something that I can- um, I can tell you're a draft champions guy like me because when, you know, when you see those bats there in the early teens <laughs> rounds, you know, 11 through 15 or maybe 16, 17, you cannot pass up, you know, you even get to like round 16, 17 and you're like, do I take Mark Kanha or Zach Davies? And I'm like, well, Mark <laughs> Kanha is going to play every day. You know? every day. So I, I'm totally, I, I know exactly what you're saying there. Yeah, because, and, 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 go yeah. Ahead. no, because those batters, you know, that have displayed just this awesome ability to put their bat on the ball and be effective, you know, that's just, I don't know. I, I'd rather bank on those skills that I know you, than you have than, to pound those, those, those at bats too, you know, it's right. like not, not, you know, a few rounds you, later, you can yeah. find a pitcher that might fall into a rotation, but you're not going to find guys that are going to be in the lineup every day and in a good part of the lineup and actually right, right. power. And, you know, right. Your 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 Yuli Guriels, your Carlos Santana's, you know, uh, can't stress those guys enough that they're gonna bat in the top half of the lineup. They're not gonna come out, <laughs> you know, and to take the inconsistent pitcher. Like I said, throw that dart later on, because um, you know how much how much better can John Means be than you say Hakuchi? You know, I don't know. Uh, don't wait uh, until after pick three hundred because Alzale will be gone. Yes. Yes. In fact, uh, I mean, yeah, that hit me hard. I was like, whoa, okay. You know, again, like who knows, you know, at that point and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Justin Mason is the one who took cease, you know, and he, him and Shelly V and they, you know, he's flat out dead. Like, yeah, you know, after we've, you know, it was like our last starter, we were just kind of threw ADP out and was like, who do we want right here? You know? Yeah. And That's you funny. can't account for that. Right. You can't account that in the draft you can scour adp all you want but you can't account for the one person who just loves this player and it's just gonna say no i'm gonna pick yeah. him here and you're like oh that wasn't That's, supposed to happen i bet that happens a lot uh in the next week or two because you yeah. know uh, we're at that part in the preseason where you know grandal says cease looks like a cyan candidate and he jumps 100 spots so it's and not- you know what's funny too it's like i've i've seen people be like um have mentioned this on Twitter, like, oh, here comes the sliding pitching because, you know, everyone starts to realize that pitching is not as important and like they think it's going down a little bit. And it's just that I think that the more casual drafters now are entering the NFBC draft for the first time. And we've been drafting since November. So we 
you know, we we know that you know that's that's well, happening. Wait right? for the main event. We'll see. We'll see how much oh, pitching slides. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. I I'm fully prepared to to uh, to take guys where. <laughs> I mean, it was my first main event last year, and you know, um, it was two guys where I wrote down like Lance Lynn and Castellano. That I'm like, I'm gonna set them in on these guys, right? And two guys set them in on those guys before I had the chance, and I'm like, oh my god! So it's it's really, you know, go get your guys. You know, it's just uh, as long as you trust your evaluation and the flow of the draft, and you, you know, sure you can fill your team out where you want. Just definitely do that. Yeah, that's definitely something I, I experienced firsthand, you know. I hear you, man. Well, because there's no such thing as a snipe when you've had a chance to pick someone. <laughs> that's exactly right. You can't snipe anybody if you uh if the first you, round you is the, if you didn't yeah. draft them. <laughs> the first round is the only round you can get sniped, really. But after that, <laughs> fair game. You got a chance to pick this player. <laughs> We're referencing the uh, the atom bomb that Toby dropped on the chat when uh, from our from our battle of the podcast. Yes, you know? <laughs> that's he's he's the best for that. He just that's what he does. He comes in and he he drops this you know six words of knowledge and you're just like <laughs> okay, Toby won again. <laughs> See you a few days later. Bat flip crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm. I'm not going to keep you forever, Rob, but I, it may be a little late in the season to talk about draft champions since we're starting to sort of move out of those. But I, I can't let the champ go without hearing about a few of your uh, your late round picks and draft champions. So give me drop some knowledge on some uh, some guys you're targeting after round 30, maybe some saves targets or, you know, starting pitchers you think are going to find a job or uh, whatever. Yeah. So um it's funny because, uh, you know, as we're talking about, like, how to construct a team, you draft champions, and we're talking about, you know, pounding those bats, um, you know, where 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 the playing time is, is there because there's a drop-off, you know, and I don't uh, scan, like, rosters as, as I'm drafting, and, you know, if you're counting on, like, Cedric Mullins to be a third outfielder, you're just not doing it right, you know. So I think it's important to make sure – and even into like don't don't worry about filling out your team so much um in where you feel like all right i only have five pitchers i need to like rush no you don't have to get those guaranteed bats and then later on you can pound all the guys you want like later on to upside arms so like you know after rounds 30s get um for pitching i'm looking at like guys like jt brubaker um logan webb you know, even Johnny Cueto, right? These guys are, are, are not super skilled, but you're going to have your bat base and you're going to have your base of two to three good, you know, solid pitchers, hopefully up top that you could count on. And you the guys that you're just going to know that they're going to take the ball or uh, Alex Cobb, right? Um, they're going to take the ball. They're going to throw. And if they can give you some two-start weeks where they can be any weight effective and not hold down. And that's the thing, right? It's, it's don't add these guys into a double start week when you have like weak pitching. Right. And this is why I stressed doing like, um, again, it's not the, the, the only way to build a team, but you know, getting two pitchers in the top three, four rounds, just make sure you have those, you know, really solid pitches that um, can give you length and give you K upside. And then, those two starts from Johnny Cueto when he goes 10 innings in both of those starts and gives up four runs, five runs won't be as, as harmful to your team, but they're, they're just, you know, just tallying up uh, K's and um, not a bunch of them, but you know, um, <laughs> maybe again, a so like, two right. Against the right. And right. 
you know yeah you just know the expectancy of you know what what you're asking for on those guys and you know even when like you know i know he's not signed but you know it's like you're in the 40th round and he's like rick porcello's there like you know yes give me give me rick porcello because i think like once arms start going down in spring training and he gets the call to come in he's going to be ready to go his sixth innings normal self and again in that range of you know 40th round pitchers uh you know that's nothing better that you can ask for than a guy that's going to come in and, and, you know, give you innings. Um, guys like even like Kyle Freeland, uh, you know, again, very boring, not super, you know, skilled pitcher for our fantasy game. But in, in those rounds, like 35 on when you're just like, all right, you have the ability to play him, you know, when he's not at cores or when he's double starting, not at cores, you know, it's it a adds long value. season, and and you know, believe it or not, when you can't pick up anybody on waivers, uh, there's going to be a week where you're happy to have Kyle Freeland uh, <laughs> yeah, starting absolutely. away. You know, <laughs> I totally agree. Interleague totally. game against the Tigers or something. You're going to be like Kyle Freeland. Yes. <laughs> All right, give on. me one saves guy that's not named Kendall Graveman because I've heard you talk about him. Oh shit, man. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Non. Um, non. So I actually have a couple of, um, I actually wanted to mention one other pitcher that I've been, two pitchers that I've been speculating on late state, two, two starters before I get into one, one really before you, but one is, um, actually not a starter right now, but Taylor Widener on Arizona. Um, he's, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. They're kind of looking at him at that, like swing role, like Tyler, um, like Chatwood is on the, uh, Blue Jays, which is another interesting name. Um, but, um, he might even move himself up into the save mix if the other guys fall through. He, I think he's got a good live arm to get into the starting rotation. And also, um, another guy, to, uh, the big minor league guy I've been watching out for is a Houston guy, Tyler Ivy. Um, I think he, I think he's the next guy to come up for them if they have any um, issues with injury or ineffectiveness in their staff. Um, so those are uh, like two guys I've been targeting with my last picks of uh, draft champions. And so I'm going to go for the close guy for closer late. Um, man, you took away my Kendall Graveman, huh? <laughs> um, I like, I really do like Phil Matan on the Indians. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not Grant too. You can get pretty late. You could probably take them both hundred percent 40th and 50th (laughs) or something. Exactly. Drew. I love that approach right there because I think if you can get the, that's a beautiful double tap for late, late speculative closes, because if you don't think that, um, Mr. Harinchak will hold it, you know, again, now you can maybe get 20 saves, even if you get 15 saves from your 40th and 50th pick combined, you know, um, that's, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, That's that's Yahtzee, really. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking for any of these guys to, to uh, fall into a partial job. I, I remember I used to enjoy having Sergio Romo when he would get five or six saves, you know, that's fine. I mean, I'm going to have to play him and he's going to pick up one, one week and Pedro Baez, you know, he may get three saves, but if I, if I get one or two of them, I'm happy, you know, like, I mean, these are the late rounds. Late. Yeah. You may have to plug these guys in, even if you don't want to. So. um, Right. It's uh, it's so many, like, um, I think you may have picked them in one of the leagues, Blake Cedarland. Did you? Did you pick him? Yeah, in? he's he's usually my second to last or last. Right, right. I like I like him. Yeah, because mid season, who knows? Yeah, 
mid-season or maybe the start of the season is like rumbling that Rodriguez will get traded, you know, before the season starts. Mm-hmm. And they're not a good team. So, so um, I took a few, uh, I took him on a few teams early. So I, I kind of don't want that. But. I know. I think I had him on one team early and I was like, shit, man, this, that wasn't so a good, good. Pick. <laughs> he is good, but yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they want him to be good on their team. They just trade him <laughs> for something, you know? Um, and yeah, you know, he, he, there's so many guys like in, I wouldn't even, you know, turn my eye on a guy like Kevin Ginkle, you know, and, and so late, you know, everyone yeah. seems to be at Soria versus Crichton, but you know, only, only, what, only until uh, they both, you know, right. But 60, <laughs> 60 games ago, he was the guy Ginkle, right. It was this, exactly. and, you know, and he just had a bad 16 innings last year. <laughs> and there, no. there are teams like the Tigers where you could take, you know, just, just pick, you know, th- throw a dart, right? Pick you know what? Or um, who's the other Mention guy? Um, Joe Jimenez. I still think he's, Jimenez, they, yeah. they gave him the money. I think they, you know, as much as he hasn't delivered what they expected, I still think a lot of that in, inside of me says like they still want him to be this guy right one of those guys is going to be the guy most likely (laughs) where they tend they tend to run it and if you if you even if you have a 15 percent chance of getting him that's totally worth a 35th round 40th round pick you know just because you're throwing that away you know percent of the time anyway so right 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 these guys you're going to try to get in your lineups like um you know once or twice during the year if 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 you need them as stop gaps and um you know also too like don't 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 shut your eyes out to the two you know the two three inning type reliever you know the long reliever per se like my favorite pick past 500 is brent Suter. um yeah I, crochet, I, Greg, Greg uh, Jewett is all over Garrett Crochet. You can't right. About him. Well, even even Kopech, because he mentioned Kopech in the bullpen might just be lights out, you know, as a two, three inning guy. Um, yeah, that's a good you know? point. Any, yeah. any, any uh, you know, starter that, you, you know, aspirational starter that you don't think is going to quite make the rotation may uh, may still be valuable after a certain point. Especially to start the year, right? Because this is the why am I and a guy like Brent Suter so much is because the Brewers already said that they're going to only add 100 innings to, you know, and whatever, you could take that for gospel or not gospel, but either way, you, so you kind of have to think that, you know, if they're a team trying to make the playoff, that they would save the bulk of the innings, right? As the season progressed, build the guys up. So guys like um, Suter, I think, are going to eat up the innings in the beginning of the season. I think they're going to be relied on more. And if you could just pick up some, like, couple of wins from the bullpen, um, you know, it's pretty huge. And with with great great ratios, you know, that's the thing. So um, don't, you know, don't shut your eye to guys like that, especially if you're not one to build your team with the pocket aces or heavy pitching up front and you want to add some, you know, per nine guys or, you know, um, innings, like guys who are just – boosting up your innings um per inning uh skills you know just be aware of those arms that can help you out for two or two two i know like yeah they won't give you saves fine but um they can give you a, a lot more you know which might be the whole dodgers uh whatever you want to call that the staff that's not really the staff <laughs> like <laughs> dustin may and you know like gonzo and like you know for me like if they weren't going so high okay so fine i'll take some of these guys who can I come know. in in those two inning spurts but they're still in the range where i'm like no way they're those still hugely yeah. valuable even if it was like 25th round like late late 20s round you know a guy that's going to get you you know 16 18 20 starts and be that good is totally worth it but they're going like 
15th round or maybe even before. So, yeah. Well, it's fun talking to you about draft champions because uh, yeah. I, I think you're really good at it. And I, it's, it's a format that I really enjoy and I uh, would have focused more on it, but we had, uh, we had too much else to cover, you know, with, uh, yeah, no, with, great. Yeah. with, with big fab drafts starting and uh, good luck in TGFBI. And, uh, yes, you too. With my, uh, is this, this is your, um, what, your second year sec- involved? Second What's year it? in TGFBI. Second year. Cool. And how'd you do last year? Not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> I had, uh, I think that was one of the leagues where I had Verlander in the first round. Oh, okay. It kind of went went bad from there. So I, pitching, I just never could recover. Um, just didn't get enough, which is kind of why I'm trying to. If not do the pocket aces, at least get two in the first five rounds or so this year, just right. just to make it a little more, you know, anti fragile. You know, yeah. Fragile. Right. But um, well, it's been awesome talking to you, man. Why don't you give your uh, whatever you want to give as far as your information one more time, just so people yeah. can uh, find you on Twitter or whatever. Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, you can find me at Deadpool Hitter on Twitter. Uh, the Pull Hitter Podcast is my podcast that I host. Um, find it on pretty much every major platform you listen to. The podcast too has a page on Twitter is at Pull Hitter Pod. You can hit me up either way. Um, if you listen to the podcast and you like it and you want to give a review, you do all that fun stuff from giving out free swag to anyone who gives me a rating and sends me a screenshot um, of their rating on my DMs and um, giving out stickers. Everyone likes stickers these days. Slap it on your laptop, on your coffee mug, whatever. Um, but um, yeah, then again, yeah, just um, trying to. I got involved with TGFBI and uh, a lot of industry leagues this year, whether it be best ball or um, you know, NFBC. So it's cool. It's great meeting everyone and networking because um, just that right, that battle of the podcast chat. I think grew us like you know, just doing the just doing the draft, doing the live thing, and then getting involved in the chat. It's like it's such a it's such it's a bonding experience you know and it's totally, awesome totally totally yeah. 15 of your new closest friends right right 100 percent. yeah i really well, find, appreciate yeah thanks rob. for having me on buddy yep oh yeah everybody can find rob also in a, in a draft room near you i'm sure <laughs> as the coaches and uh as always i'm i'm a common sense fbb on twitter so um uh find me there uh feedback is always welcome and uh as always stay classy planet baseball <laughs>